Welcome to episode number 184 of The Larb. I'm Larry G. McGuire. I'm a writer. Uh, I also like to record ideas. Basically what I like to do is share ideas. I do a lot of reading. I'm interested in philosophy, psychology. I'm interested in what makes me me, what makes you you, what is the nature of this thing that we're doing here. And I write about it over on LarryGMcGuire.com and I podcast here on the LARP. There's no advertisement on the podcast. There's no ads on the site. I don't charge for my content. But what I do have is a Patreon page. And if you like what I do, if you think you get some value from the stuff that I record and the things that I write, well, I'd encourage you to visit me over there and become a patron. It starts from only a dollar a month. And... Uh, the more of you guys that jump on board and support the work that I do, the more time I can give to create more of this stuff. And this is what I enjoy doing. And, you know, um, when I talk about work, which I do and which I'll do today, um, this is the type of stuff that I mean, the stuff that engages you, engages me, that we enjoy doing. So if you like what I'm doing, if you'd like to support it, please do visit me over on Patreon patreon.com forward slash Larry G. McGuire is where you'll find me and uh, I'd love to see you over there. All right, so this week's article. I've been thinking a lot recently about work and the nature of work and what we call work and our ability to derive meaning and purpose and gratification and fulfillment from this stuff that we do on a daily basis. Uh, I think the the contemporary view of work is that it's something that we'd rather not do, that we're compelled to do, but not because we're drawn into it, but because we have to fulfill someone else's idea of what it means to be worthy, a worthy member of society. Um, you know, most people work nine to fives, but they're not really nine to fives. They're like maybe seven to seven. You know, you get up at the crack of dawn, uh, you drop your kids into childcare or to your parents or whoever. You hit the highway or the motorway or whatever and you give yourself up for eight hours or ten hours of the day in an office block somewhere or you might be on the road or you might, you know, it's generally an institution or, or some building that comprises part of an institution that you'd rather not be there. You know, you'd rather be somewhere else. Maybe you don't know exactly where that is, but you know that this thing that you're compelled to do is a drag, you know. And you look forward to the weekends. Friday is, ah, oh, thanks be to God. And then the bars are filled with people who are celebrating uh, getting away from work on a Friday, you know, because you're free. But only until Sunday night when it hits you that, oh, shit, I have to go back in and do this all again, you know. And we do this for a while. You know, we do it from the time we're about 18, whatever, we leave school, a lot of us might go to college, um, others of us go into maybe manual uh, or so-called low-skilled labor um, where we spend most of our lives, you know. And really what we're doing is uh, we're feeding the machine, feeding the beast, you know. Uh, I think, and I'm not on my own in thinking this, the research seems to back it up, that... Um, most people are dissatisfied, disengaged, uh, unhappy, you could say, although happy, unhappy is a, is a bit arbitrary. 
it, it's it's pretty meaningless because what makes you happy might make someone else unhappy. Um, but uh, we feel compelled to do this thing, you know, to join uh, the masses of people who do this thing, you know. Everybody gets up Monday to Friday. Some get, some people get up Saturdays. You might work shifts. Doesn't matter. And you go in and you do this stuff. And I I don't think um, it's a hiding to nowhere. Do you know? Because uh, there comes a point where you kind of scratching your head, going, "Why am I doing this?" And uh, that's not how it should be. I don't believe that's how it should be. There's very few of us, I think, that get up and run into work and leap out of bed and go, "Yeah, this is deadly." I, I'm do I do this for nothing if I could afford it, you know, and um, I think that's a shame because we're working roughly a third of our lives, and for us to do it for any other reason than the fact that it engages us and that empowers us and that gives meaning to our lives, I think is a waste. And on Sunday, I was writing about this in the weekly article. Um, titled why do we work jobs we hate and i'm going to narrate that for you shortly but i do think um you know when you consider this uh let me give an example i worked for myself for a long time and i went into it almost automatically uh i was chasing after something long story short it didn't work out i fell out of love with it and I just wanted to set it on fire and burn it, watch it burn that whole role that I played because I was just so tired of it. And maybe um, we need to do that. Maybe we have to hit a kind of a rock bottom in in relationship with work in order for it to change. Now, I'm back doing that stuff, that same stuff, but I have a different relationship with it now. There's a piece of uh, research from... Um, Peter War, I think it's Peter War. He'll forgive me if I get this wrong, from the University of Sheffield, where he conducted uh, some research. And uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. Yeah. And uh, it's titled Self Employment, Personal Values, and Varieties of Happiness and Happiness. And what he did was he studied a, a bunch of people um, that took part in a, a study um, by the European Commission. Um, and he looked at uh, he looked at the data, and he asked the question: Do self-employed indi- individuals differ from those in organisational employment, in other words, direct employment, um, by having uh, personal values that motivate them to work for themselves? And um, is the greater job satisfaction of self-employed workers restricted to those who have no supervisory responsibility. So essentially what he's saying is, if you work for yourself, are you happier than people who work for other people? And in addition to that, if you work for yourself and you have employees to whom uh, you're responsible, does that have an impact? And what he found was that self-employed people are... um, I'm not quoting, so I'm not quoting directly here, but uh, you can read the paper. It's in the Journal of Occupational Health Psychology, uh, 2018. There's a link to it in the article, and you can go read the paper if you want. So um, what he found was that self-employed people 
are happier, more engaged, etc., than directly employed people, even though they earn less. But that changes when those self-employed people have responsibility to others, i.e. employees. And that's really interesting because it's what I found, you know. Um, when I started out working for myself, it was brilliant. The freedom was just, oh, it was amazing. Even though I wasn't making very much, it didn't matter, or as much as I was before. It didn't matter because I got to call the shots, you know, for me. Um, the real challenges started when I began to take on uh, employees. And it's a whole other ball game when you take on people because you have to manage them to a point. Unless you can build uh, systems whereby those people are self-motivated, uh, enthusiastic, um, conscientious, and they might well be in their own way, but um, I regard myself as an artist. And my biggest problem was I could never find people who could do the work as well as me. And that was my greatest advantage and my greatest weakness because how could I, how could I ever possibly trust anybody else um, if they weren't me? Now, I did have one or two guys that I hired and trained directly and they were the best that I had. And stands the reason, because when you take on people, you take on all the good and all the bad too. So you really got to think hard and long. Or maybe you don't have to think at all. Maybe you just have to act on purpose. Uh, when you're taking your work, your craft, and you're going out on your own, going solo, um, because uh, you think you might want to grow this big entity with loads of people, you know, and make loads of money. Maybe you're fooling yourself. Maybe that's maybe you're chasing a ghost, you know? Maybe that's not what you want at all. Maybe you can be more engaged and fulfilled if you just operate on your own. And uh, my idea of being self-employed at the time was that if you didn't have ambition to grow, well, then you're wasting your time. And that was naive and stuff, and, and it was supposed to be because I was naive and what have you. But the fact of the matter is... Um, uh, I, I still believe that to be self-employed is better than being directly employed. And I think um, the workforce, or the, the education system, and I write about this in the article, uh, there's a link to it in today's podcast notes. To be self-employed um, broadens your horizons. You learn more, you become uh, skilled in, in areas that you never would, working for somebody else. You might feel content and fulfilled to a degree in direct employment within the safety of the boundaries of the organization within which you work. But really, if you want to grow and become something more than you were and more than you are, if you feel that draw into being your own boss, um, well, then there's no greater move. No, there's no, it's going to be rough. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a rough L ride, but um, there's a point that you reach where you go, I wouldn't change anything, you know, and certainly I feel that way. So in the article this week, and, and when I read this piece of uh, research by Peter War um, at the University of Sheffield, I said, well, that's me. He's talking about me. So I'm not a weirdo. I'm not, um, there's something wrong with me. And I taught that for a long time when the business failed and when the one after that failed. 
that maybe there was something wrong with me, but there wasn't. The only thing that was wrong with me was I was I was chasing stuff that really I didn't want. So um, work is is a topic that I'm very passionate about um, and I like to write about a lot <clears throat> because uh, I think that life is too short to be doing stuff that um, you feel obliged to do, you know, doing stuff that maybe your parents wanted you to do or... Uh, your peer group um, pressurized you into doing, or some other reason other than, wow, this is brilliant, you know, that some other reason that than you are excited about the work. If you're excited and engaged and curious about the work, there's no greater reason to do it. And um, uh, there's a quote, uh, quote by Alan Watts. Where is it? Uh, he says, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with what you are doing in the here and now. And instead of calling it work, realize it's play. Um, and you can call it what you want, but it's that feeling of doing something that just excites you, you know, it makes that satisfies your curiosity. Um, and that's what it's about. And if you can get paid to do it, well then, happy days. So the article... Uh, uh, this week is titled Why Do We Work Jobs We Hate? And I'm going to narrate that for you now. Why do we work jobs we hate? Why do we work? What is the purpose of work apart from providing us with money to buy stuff we don't need and pay bills? Is it possible to be happy and fulfilled in our daily work or are we destined to despise yet endure its demand on our lives? Sure, we need money in our pockets to function within the societal system, but most of us, it seems, are dissatisfied and disengaged. We have become robots, and work has become transactional, a binary arrangement. I'll give you hours if you give me money, is our modus operandi. There's little love in it, even for those of us who say our work is vocational. But surely a life worth living has to be built on something more substantial than the prospect of a two-week holiday in the sun, a smart home control system, or the future freedom gained from paying off a mortgage. There's got to be something more to life than the constant battle with traffic, the farming out of the care of our children, and the subordination of our deepest need for meaning to the demands of bosses and their corporate overseers. But for most of us in Western culture, this is how life plays out. In today's article, I'm taking a look at our current predominant thinking about work and how we might find the purpose and meaning that daily fulfilling work has the potential to deliver. Consider this. Most people work for other people. 85% of working citizens within the OECD group of countries are directly employed versus 15% self-employed. From the data, it is interesting to note that for countries with long-standing membership of the OECD, self-employment rates are lowest. In contrast, Colombia, for example, who are relatively new members of the OECD, have a 50-50 split. This says to me that the longer a country is exposed to the manipulation of international corporates, the more open to global trends and ultimately the weaker their economy becomes. Now consider an alternative. Imagine a nation's economy supported by a substantial number of its working population operating small, number, operating small and medium businesses, interdependent and cooperative. Then the majority of the remainder are working under their employment and the rest in civil service roles, etc. In the event of a global economic downturn or even collapse, 
would that country not be better equipped to withstand the correction? Yes, it's an idealistic notion, but it stands to reason. At a business level, I would prefer to have many small customers rather than a couple of large ones. This way, if one or two of my customers' businesses fail, my business will not be too badly affected. However, the current momentum of commercial enterprise is too strong. It is built on direct competition and survival of the fittest. In that competitive atmosphere, we become accustomed to bright, shiny things and have developed a reluctance to give them up. It seems we'll readily accept a comfortable prison than an uncomfortable freedom. The overwhelming and undeniable truth is that large corporations make nations and our people dependent and weak, and we, the people, cooperate in that. Materially, you may argue that we are better off, and that might be true, but what are we losing on a humanitarian level? Anxiety and depression are on the increase, and I believe this is symptomatic of a broken and dysfunctional population that subjugates itself to the will of a minority, and like an alcoholic who knows he should stop drinking and can't, we replicate our mistakes by training our children to become dependent too. A common argument I hear regarding the merits of direct over self-employment is that not everyone can be self-employed. The entrepreneurial spirit, like creativity, is apparently reserved for the exalted few. Well, I don't accept that. Because, you see, I believe that deep down, every single one of us craves the autonomy and the ability to direct our own lives, to make things others value, and to feel the freedom to work to our own agenda, the freedom we were born with. It is my experience that working for yourself allows this under certain conditions. Greater job satisfaction and overall happiness are achievable too, and most empirical studies support this idea. True self-direction and autonomy are not possible within a corporate structure, which requires you to play within the narrow scope of its rules. This means that for many of us, we have to work crazy hours, spend hardly any time with our families, and leave our kids in childcare while we work our bollocks off. Corporate HR might talk the talk with regard to work-life balance, etc., but in truth, what they actually want from you is very different from what they say they want. And so the conditioning of the people continues. The truth is that our indoctrination into the contemporary concept of work began at an early age through education. The system is designed to sculpt the minds of our young people to a workforce mentality. Upon this, governments can raise funds for infrastructure projects from international banks based on that country's future ability to produce. And so our compliance is necessary for the worldwide capitalist machine to keep moving. Following our innate curiosity through a self-directed creative career such as art or sports person, writer, etc. is just not encouraged. As such, I would strongly argue that our propensity to comply, to need and find a job, to rely on others for our livelihood is a conditioned response and not a natural consequence of human nature. So most of us choose freely and have apparent predictability of a job over following our innate curiosity. And so, taking direct employment, although important in the initial stages of skill development, leaves us exposed to the vagaries of the market. The rise and fall of international markets dictate our lot. Self-employment, on the other hand, places the power to direct our futures largely in our own hands. I've been in business for myself at various levels since I was 25 or so. Even before making the leap from direct to self-employment, I felt self-employed. Know what I mean? I felt the importance of personal responsibility and of the need to give the best I could as often as possible. 
not because I wanted to impress, but rather because I enjoyed the challenge. Of course, I didn't always create the best results, but on balance it seems to me that the standards I brought were always at least a little better than those I worked with. Now, this wasn't hard, given a working environment where most guys just did enough to blend into the background. They took little pride in their work, as far as I could see. Truthfully, though, I had no intention of standing out. I am fundamentally introverted and would much rather stand in the corner of the room unnoticed than be in the centre. It was the work I was interested in. I enjoyed it. At 17 years of age, it gave me a sense of purpose and direction, even though I didn't want to do it initially. On reflection, it was a case of attitude to work and application of intent that made me different. Something I believe I have retained. So despite my introversion, I stood out. Managers noticed I was promoted and continued to acquire important skills. After a couple of years, I began to outgrow the company and decided I should do my own thing. Working for other people just wasn't going to satisfy me long term. The freedom I felt from taking that step was liberating, but through the lure of blind ambition, that freedom I gained would be lost. As I recently discovered through work by Peter War at the University of Sheffield, the self-employed tend to lose the love of their work when responsibility for employees begin to make demands on their time and creativity. This was my experience. This is why today I believe in the complete integrity of businesses of one. A business of one, owned and operated by you, has the ability to give you the means to live a materially comfortable life and a psychological means to find release from the bastards who would have you do their bidding. Yes, okay, that's a bit dramatic. But the reality is that large companies don't really care about you. They care about your productivity. You're just a number. I remember this phrase being bandied about when I was a young apprentice working on the sites, and it felt to me like an excuse to get away with doing as little as possible. Because that's what it was. Here I use it to highlight the fact that the sole objective of corporations is to be profitable, and they need you for your skill set in the pursuit of this goal. Most of them will ply you with bright shiny things to keep you on board, to keep you content, mute and subjugated, like the mining companies of the 19th century California Gold Rush, who built bars, houses, motels and entire towns around the mines. Modern companies make your working environment so materially grand that you can't imagine leaving. They want your soul and you invariably give it to them. Many people really enjoy their work. They manage to find an organisation where they can express their truest self. I certainly can't deny that. For example, my wife is a hospice nurse and she loves going into work. Of course, we realise that people die in the hospice. But she deals with grief-stricken people almost daily. So some might ask, what is there to enjoy about that? She has shitty days. But on the whole, she seems to get enormous gratification from caring for other people at perhaps what is the second most significant period of their lives, the first being when they were born. I have great admiration for her dedication. I enjoy my work also, the stuff I do for money I mean. I like working with my hands, making things, solving problems. I guess that is the figuring out of the thing, the problem solving that I enjoy the most and have enjoyed since I was a kid. I'm over 30 years at it now, not including a short break when I did fuck all except stare at the kitchen window. So most of what I do is automatic. It does itself, although I do need to be with it to get a good result. If I let my mind slip, I miss something 
or lose half a finger. So my attention is required. On the whole, I don't necessarily classify work as that thing that earns me a living. Rather, I see it as the stuff I like to do when I'm not sleeping. Writing and reading and researching is work to me too. None of it is a chore. I do it because I'm drawn into it. So in that sense, it's different from the stuff I do for money. The stuff I do for money is kind of like gardening. Only I get paid to do it. The stuff I do for money is less, is easy, because the skills have been long established, so there's no huge mental demand. There is thinking that goes on, but the answers come pretty quickly. On the other hand, writing, albeit easier now than it was 10 years ago, is more taxing on me. When I write, I'm searching for a pattern, trying to find flow. It needs to read well on the page. It's like drawing, same process, different medium. So when I write, I'm exploring possibilities. I'm drawn in, engaged and curious. I want to know what I know, and I want to tell it. It's art in its truest sense. Both the work that makes me money and my studies, writing, etc. are different to unadulterated play. Although there's not a world of difference between them, merely an intensity of focus, it seems. Regardless, if I think about the work I do, I find I'm not driven to succeed in any way. Sure, I imagine writing, selling books and making money off of that. But it's a do, it's not a do or die thing. It's playful. I'm easy about the work I do, but I'm also intense, engaged, and intent on bringing out the best I can, just like I've always been. Some final thoughts. These days, as I occasionally navigate my way bumper through bumper-to-bumper traffic on Dublin's M50, I feel very grateful that I no longer have to tackle that challenge and similar ones every day. I suppose people who do endure it somehow find a way to make peace with it, or maybe they have not. As I consider it, I don't know which is worse, remaining in what we see as an ultimately destructive way of life, raging against it, or denying the destructive reality while passively kidding ourselves that tomorrow will be better. Maybe it's both. And as I sit here tip-tapping this article, it appears so blatantly obvious that there is no future time to which I can look forward. My life and that of my kids are continually shaped by what I do now, and now is all I have. It's the only place I can ever exist and be effective. There is no future, better version of me, to which I must aspire and work towards. All of that is simply an idea held somewhere in something I call my mind. It has no reality outside of that. Therefore, to spend time planning and dreaming of a future that never gets here is a waste of my life. It is equally a waste of my life to deny my discomfort and unhappiness. If I feel unhappy about my current life experience, then I must change that. And I can only change it now. So any notion of putting things off until next week, next month or year, until the moment is right, is foolish to me. I must take some action now, no matter how small. Then change will happen. Although change will happen anyway, and maybe upon closer inspection, it seems that the impulse to make that change is really a realisation that change has already happened. It seems to be spontaneous, and that I, whatever I happen to be, is an observation of it all. Or maybe I'm just confused. Maybe the I that I think I am is not real. And that thing I identify with is merely a bundle of emotions to which something internal has attached an identity. 
But I do know that I feel, and given the choice, I think I'd rather feel happy. But I know that ultimate happiness doesn't exist, at least not on its own. Happiness is only one half of the up and down of the wheel, and between the two there is no definitive dividing line. Instead, one blends with the other, and depending on my position, my state of conscious awareness, any given experience can either be good or bad, happy or sad. To a man in the gutter, a bedsit is an improvement, but to a wealthy man who has lost it all, that same bedsit is a fall from grace. So, with daily work then, it must be the same. The only measure that warrants merit is your individual judgment. Where is it that you want to be? What experience is it that you wish to have? There is no single answer to how best to work and at what. Truth is in the eye of the beholder. Therefore, make a decision. Do it now and don't look back, because life will be gone for you and me soon. It's not worth wasting. Hey, thanks for listening um, to today's episode. You know, work is a work is a funny thing, and and we do have these preconceived ideas about uh, about the word and what it represents. And I do think that 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 needs to change. I think that um, <clears throat> each of us needs to take responsibility for the work that we end up doing. Ultimately, it serves a purpose. Even if you're doing stuff that you didn't necessarily want to do, you just did it because you needed money. Um, th- there's purpose in that, you know, in finding out that maybe this stuff that I'm doing right now is is crap. It doesn't fulfill me. Um, maybe you need to figure out something and, and maybe you kind of need to hit rock bottom insofar as finding meaning and purpose in the stuff that you do in order to realize, hold on, something needs to change here. I think working solely for money is a waste of a life, you know. You say, well, I need money. What am I supposed to do if I don't have any money? Well, that's fine. You know, work for money, do a job for money, but make peace with that. That's my, that's what I would suggest. And and whatever spare time you've got, put it into something else, something that does energize you, something that does draw you in and stirs your curiosity. You know, you must do that. Um, there's no other way, in my opinion. I mean, you could drop everything and, and go uh, hell for leather into something new, but um, unless... This is what I found anyway. Unless you can make peace somehow with the work that you had been doing, um, you can't really move on. You know, you'll always be angry about something. Uh, but work, life spent doing work solely for money has no purpose because money in of itself is an abstract concept. It has no substance. We use it superficially to trade services and all that kind of crack. It's uh, It might as well be seashells that we're trading. And it was at one time, you know. So I think we got to, it's up to us to extract meaning and purpose from the work that we do. And uh, it's really significant, you know. It's really important. Uh, because without meaning, if you, with a meaningless life is just like, hello, depression, you know, anxiety, depression, etc., so that's it from me for this episode. If you like what I'm doing, like I said at the top of the show, jump over to patreon.com forward slash Larry G. McGuire. There's a link in the show notes and uh, become a patron for only a dollar a month. Hopefully I'll see you there. And uh, until next time, take it easy. 
Have a good day, week, whatever. Talk to you soon. Good luck.